Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. You have to have convictions. The conviction that leads to life's turning point. Uh, convictions, convictions are important to have. Someone says if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. But convictions can also be dangerous. You can have the wrong convictions. You could have convictions that will damn your soul, that will keep you from fellowship with God. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our hands and We all have convictions, but how do we know if our convictions are right or wrong? In today's study, Pastor Ed will exhort us not to mistake preferences for convictions. He also cautions us not to judge others within the church in how they prefer to worship God. We all have convictions and preferences, but it is important to not push our preferences on others and cause division amongst the body of Christ. Convictions are good to have when used in the right way. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Paul's Conversion. chapter 9. And as I mentioned, we'll be reading, taking our sermon from all of the 31 verses, but I'll only be reading a portion of chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there, who belong to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. He was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Stop there. This whole world is going in the wrong direction. From the time a person is born, they have a bent within them that leads them away from God. Theologians call it original sin. It manifests itself from the time they come into this world. David put it this way in Psalm 51. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. 
All of us are sinners. Now, some of us are religious sinners. Yeah, people use the cloak of religion to hide their sins. There are those people who are just denying sin. They feel if they deny God, they could deny sin and say sin doesn't exist because God doesn't exist. We just do what we want. Well, they're trying to create a reality of their own that doesn't exist. There are blatant sinners. People that say, I know what I'm doing is wrong and I'm going to do it anyway. They're justifiant. There are those people who minimize their sins. They maximize their good works and they minimize their sins thinking their good works would far outweigh their sins. And so they look at others and say, I'm not as bad as them. The trouble with sin is that it blinds you and binds you and leads you in the wrong direction. Sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. And suddenly when you wake up, you realize what you've done. The tragedy of it is some people are not going to wake up until they stand before God. Some people within the sound of my voice even this morning will not wake up until it's too late. Proverbs says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. There are those going on a path. They're walking in a direction and they think they're okay, but they're not. They're not. They're not. The direction that they're going in is a direction that is going to bring them spiritual harm. We've read about in recent days turnaround companies. Turnaround company is plummeting down to the bottom. Maybe they're headed towards bankruptcy. And so they realize their condition and suddenly maybe the CEO or the board takes action to see that company turn around and go in another direction. Well, people need to see where they're headed. I remember a gentleman, he was six foot two or three, tall man, big boned. He was my roommate in college and he was warm like a teddy bear. But it wasn't always that way. He used to cruise the city streets in Brooklyn, New York. He was a cocaine addict. His name was Jay, and he would cruise the city streets in Brooklyn with his friends, and he would look for people, pedestrians, that he could just beat up on. Why? Just as he said, for the pleasure of it. One day he went into a church, my home church, Trinity Tabernacle back in Brooklyn, New York. He had heard some odd things were happening in that church. And so he wanted to go and see what was happening. He decided he was going to have a great time when he went, though, so he got real high. He went in the church, sat in the back, and in the course of the service, all of the drugs lost their effect upon him. 
He said, that's weird. So he came back next week, made sure he was high, sat in the back of the church, and the same thing happened. And then again. And then he realized what it was. He was having an encounter with God. Jay went up to an old-fashioned altar, accepted Christ as his personal Savior, and he met life's turning point. He met Jesus Christ, the truth, the way, and the life. And suddenly, that man's life was dramatically changed. He went to Bible college, and after Bible college, he went back to Brooklyn, New York, and instead of beating up on people in the city streets, he would cruise the streets with his friends to look for street people that he could help and feed and clothe and minister to. He established a church to the neediest of the needy. We're reading today the story of a man who was a religious person. His name was Saul. And he met Jesus Christ, and his life was never the same. He met life's turning point, and he was changed and transformed. Now, there's a conviction that leads us to life's turning point. You have to have convictions. The conviction that leads to life's turning point. Uh, convictions, convictions are important to have. Someone says if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. But convictions can also be dangerous. You can have the wrong convictions. You could have convictions that will damn your soul that will keep you from fellowship with God. Saul had those convictions. The Bible text says in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 9, Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. The very atmosphere of Saul permeated with this anger, bitterness, with this rage he had against people of the way. The people of the way were Jewish people who embraced Jesus as Messiah. Now, to Saul, it didn't make sense. Jesus was anything but a success. He was a failure. Jesus to borrow a donkey, died on a borrowed cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb. Jesus, ah, his lineage, he was born under very questionable circumstances, wondered if he was really a legitimate child. The Bible says that whoever died on the cross died under a curse. Cursed is everyone that dies on the cross. Uh, Paul could not understand, or Saul could not understand, how Jesus was a Messiah. Yes, yes, he heard Stephen argue. That great deacon who was an apologetic defend the gospel and prove that Jesus was the Christ. 
But yet it didn't make sense to Saul. Listen to what he was doing. In chapter 7 it says, They cast him out of the city, meaning Stephen, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Later on, in chapter 8, it says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, hailing men and women, committed them into prison. He actually thought he was doing God a service. Jesus said that would happen. Some people would persecute believers thinking they were serving God. That's what Saul was doing. He thought he was serving God. He thought he was honoring God by ripping out heretics from among the Jewish nation by purging the Jewish nation from these people who would change the traditions of the elders. Convictions can blind us to the truth. He was going to destroy those people who lived and walked in the way. Pascal said, Men never do evil so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from a religious conviction. Religion sometimes can be so very damaging. I was surprised when I went to Israel. Outside the Holocaust Museum, I was talking to our tour guide. I had been witnessing to him. He was a Jew, didn't know Jesus as a Savior. Again and again, what came up in my trying to present the gospel to him is what Christians had done in the Crusades. That was centuries earlier. All the things that were done in the name of religion, the Spanish Inquisition, Crusades, Zealots, but without wisdom, without knowledge, and without understanding. Well, let's bring it a little closer home. I remember a man in my home church. I witnessed to him again and again, but I couldn't get him out to church. Do you know why? He felt the church was filled with murderers. Now, we might have had some, some were converted out of the mafia, but we didn't have that many. But he was a vegetarian, and he felt anybody who ate meat was a murderer. And so he wouldn't go to church. Listen, you may have convictions. Well, stick to your guns, but don't shoot anybody. That's the trouble. Sometimes people have convictions. Maybe they need to examine those convictions too. I was interested when I studied the life of John Wesley. He was one of the most persecuted men in church history. Reading articles and pages on pages of those who ripped to shreds the records of his life. Who again and again belittled and berated him. And you know who they were? Often they were other Christians. Let me just read a couple of things. The first hymn book the Wesleys published in America. For his effort, John Wesley was arraigned before a grand jury for, or, 
for altering authorized psalms and for introducing unauthorized compositions into church services. Do you know it wasn't legal to sing hymns in church in England until 1820? Do you remember when choruses first came in the church? I remember. Sometimes studying a little church history, understanding that forms and worship styles change. I've seen people rip apart a church because of the style of music and worship. Make no mistake, I value the hymns. And our worship services sort of center with hymns and choruses, with some of the old and the new. It is. And it's anointed as well. But I've seen people rip to shreds churches and split them over issues of music. You know what they're doing? At that very moment, they're doing things sometimes like Saul did in ignorance. Gamaliel gave Paul counsel and said, be careful. He gave all the church counsel. He gave the Jewish people counsel. Be careful that you're not fighting against God. Picture it now. Jesus is praying his high priestly prayer. He's in the garden. Father, I pray not only for those now, but for those who will believe on me through their word. I pray that they may be one, that the world may know that you have sent me. Satan doesn't want unity in the church. And he sets up camp trying to divide one side of the church against the other, one generation against another. And people mistake preferences for convictions. It's true. Study church history. Zwingli, a musician, knew I don't know how many instruments of music, but Zwingli, when he got saved and was a catalyst to the Swiss Reformation, would not allow music in the church at all because he didn't believe that people should be persuaded emotionally. Listen, he was a great man. We receive our understanding of communion from his theology. C.S. Lewis if he worshipped in our worship service, would not have enjoyed it at all. Yet we'll quote him and value him. C.S. Lewis didn't like low church at all. He liked high church. What am I saying? We all have different tastes. Don't judge one another. Nor do you hammer into somebody because they express their love for God in some other way because your zeal can really be a zeal that's not propelled by God but by the flesh and you could be fighting against God. Because you feel something deeply doesn't mean it's right. Someone said, the truth will set you free but first it'll hurt you. That's what happened in Saul's life. Can you imagine with me? This man, deeply committed to his convictions, suddenly finds out that what he's been doing is wrong. 
He thought he was serving God, and here he was fighting against God. Thank God he found out in this life, not in the next life. It's important to have the right convictions. In verses 3 to 5 of Acts 9, it says, As he neared Damascus on a journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He knew when he heard, Saul, Saul. Three times in Acts, Luke records the conversion of Saul. It was pivotal to the early church. It was life-transforming not only to Saul, but to the whole Christian community. Suddenly, Saul faces the truth that he had been fighting against God. Saul, Saul, that's an Old Testament formula when God speaks to his people. Samuel, Samuel, Saul, Saul. Some theologians feel that this Damascus Road experience forged Paul's theology of the church because he realized the people he was persecuting, the church that he was beating up, the people that he was uh, making havoc of, he was actually persecuting Jesus. See, when you touch God's people, you're touching God. When you touch the children of God, you're touching God. Let that sink in. Let that become real to you, to all of us. Now, I could picture Saul was trying to run, run, run. But the faster he ran, the more God was pursuing him. The hound of heaven was after Saul. See, Saul in persecuting the church in trying to make havoc of Jewish people who embraced the way was trying to quiet his conscience. He had seen Stephen's death. He had heard Stephen's sermon. Echoing in his mind was Stephen's prayer. Lay not this sin to their charge. How could a man pray like that? How could a man live like that? How could a man die like that without knowing God? Now I wonder if the story would have been different. If Stephen would have prayed, God, judge this stiff-necked generation and wipe them off the face of the earth. God, send these rebellious people to the pit. But Stephen's prayer was filled with grace and mercy to the very people who persecuted him, to the very people who beat him. See, that's the spirit of Christ. That's the spirit of the church. That's the spirit of Christianity. We turn the other cheek. We pray for our enemies. We love those who speak evil of us. And 
I believe it was working in his mind and heart. Augustine, who was that great theologian? There are some who might believe that the life of a Christian begins and ends at the altar. Maybe that's you. Maybe you accepted Jesus as a child, but your life hasn't changed since then. Our relationship with God is so much more than just a profession. It's a walk, daily. Pastor Ed is currently teaching a five-part series entitled, Walking in Our Salvation, which we hope will encourage you to walk with Jesus daily. Building in Faith is the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith. Your word reset.